Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Mark Striegel. John Astronomy. The Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly, and now your hosts, Mark and John. Hey guys, it's John Astronomy here with Mark Spriegel at the Ace Hotel, appropriately named in New York City. Hey Mark. Hey John, where else would the uh, Talking Metal guys be hanging out but the Ace Hotel, of course. I first uh, found out about this place, I think, when um, that guy Chip booked uh, Dave Rock Feinstein, Dio's cousin, uh, in here, and we did an interview with him for Talking Metal, and uh, it's kind of a hipster place in kind of a non-hip neighborhood, is the way I describe this hotel, and uh, we've kind of hijacked the table in the corner, which uh, is probably not, uh, with restaurant policy, we were supposed to, I think, get on a list, but... uh, this is just the way we roll. Anyways, I wanted to mention, uh, uh, I don't know if you remember this woman named Pink Snow who had a band called Porn Rock that then changed their name to Erotica. Do you remember that band? I think so. I, was it Porn to Rock or just Porn Rock? I think it was just Porn Rock. And Emily and I, uh, Emily knew her more than I did. I played a few shows with her with the Captain T no, probably with Hollywood superstars and possibly Ronin. I know the Minx played a few shows with her. So anyway, she she passed away, uh, you know, 43 years old or something. Yeah, uh, passed away, and I was just kind of sad to hear that a, a, a New York uh, fixture like that on the rock scene had, was gone and was thinking maybe we'd play one of her songs to start things off here, if you're cool with that. Yeah, boy, I, I didn't know about that, and uh, wow, i got to check into it. Boy, very sad news, and uh, let's definitely get into one of our tunes. This is Skin to Win by Erotica, featuring Pink Snow.
was Skin to Win by Erotica featuring the late Pink Snow. You are listening to Talking Metal. I'm here with John. This is Mark Striegel. And uh, wanted to ask you about a song I'd like to play by the Electric Magic Sideshow. What's the history of that band? Okay, wow. You know, it's funny. I ran into somebody in Atlanta who was a Sideshow fan, which was pretty cool. And I just actually got an email for a text from them. But anyway, Electric Magic Sideshow was a band that I played drums in and dressed up in the astronomy outfit. So it was the same costume I wore with Captaincy in Astronomy and then with Astronomy. And, but in this band, I was playing drums. And, and everybody kind of had a look like that. And uh, the band was led by a guy named Billy May, who you guys may have seen on the Talking Metal new TV episode. And uh, Bill played bass in this band, and he sang, and uh, we, we definitely really sound a lot like Kiss. And uh, this was one of the first bands that I was in that, like, we went and played a lot of gigs, some out of town. We played in, like, Philly. We played in Escanaba, Michigan, which was really fun. And uh, Bill was great, and uh, all the guys were into kind of Kiss and, and into dressing up in costumes and stuff, and... And uh, the music was cool. I always thought Bill was a great songwriter, and some of the other guys wrote some tunes. And uh, it was a really cool band, I thought. Cool. I was thinking of playing. I was listening to the Electric Magic Sideshow on Spotify, uh, and it just got me thinking about our history. We had a band called Roy's Baby, and then, you know, we did the Captain T astronomy thing and a lot of the bands I played in. And I remembered this band, but only really remembered seeing them maybe once when you did a dual bill where you played with Paisley and then you played with them. Uh, and I remembered being there being some friction kind of with with Paisley and them and and me kind of being more devoted to the Paisley thing because of our friends in that band, which one of them being you, of course. And I, I don't know, I, but some reason I, I kind of remember there was like maybe it was maybe Rob. I mean, who's obviously not listening to this, or I wouldn't say it, but uh, there was a little friction. I was just like, ah, Paisley's much better, you know, or something like that. But in retrospect, I, you know, recently, I should say, I went back and I was listening to Electric Magic Sideshow on Spotify and I thought some of the songs actually sounded pretty good. I was thinking maybe of playing uh, Every Time We Kiss. Yeah, that's a cool tune. Uh, uh, that, I believe, was written by Bill and maybe either Carl or John, uh, both of the guitar players. I think, I think they co-wrote that tune. I got, got to go check that because I, I haven't uh, played these tunes for a while. And but I, you know, of course, like when you're recording, you know who wrote which tune. But, but uh, that was a great tune, and uh, definitely, uh, I'm sure you guys will hear that there's some Kiss influence and, and Bill. Billy May sounds a lot like Paul Stanley on vocals. What was funny about the friction, because there definitely was some friction between the bands, is and is that is that I was in Paisley Babylon as the drummer, but then at the same time started to play drums with Sideshow. And I guess, you know, Paisley, the guys in Paisley, you know, didn't want me to neglect Paisley, but I really didn't feel that I was neglecting Paisley and I really enjoyed playing in Sideshow and in Sideshow I was just a drummer like um, you know I, I didn't write any of the tunes whereas in Paisley I co-wrote some of the tunes so uh, it was funny that there was a little friction and it was so funny that we played at the limelight where I, I think Paisley played first and then Sideshow played after him I think and I, I don't even remember if I wore a costume for both gigs or if I wore like Paisley clothes for one 
gig and then sing. I seem to remember you had the same outfit on for both sets, uh, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah, you're probably right. But that was pretty wild. I don't even know how we got a gig at the Limelight. That was, uh, you know, both bands. Because like, that was a big place. It was very, very cool. But. Cool. Well, this is a song I enjoy with John on drums, our friend Billy May on guitar and lead vocals. It's called Every Time We Kiss. You can check it out on Spotify or on iTunes by the Electric Magic Sideshow. Every Time We Kiss by the Electric Magic Sideshow, a band that I play drums in, led by Billy May and rounded out by John and Carl on guitars. Uh, I love to jam with those guys again someday. Uh, it was really fun. 
And uh, John used to work at uh, Ultrasound. You remember that? Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, I totally forgot that. Yeah, I definitely know the guy you're talking about. I remember he worked at Ultrasound. And uh, yeah, yeah, great stuff. One thing um, you guys should do, if you haven't done already, is go to YouTube.com slash Talking Metal. And this guy, Billy May, who John was in the Electric Magic Sideshow Band with many years ago, uh, recently, within the last year, did a jam with us. We jammed Hotter Than Hell with him and Dan Lorenzo and Ron Lipnicki from Overkill. So if you haven't seen that, go to YouTube.com slash Talking Metal and look for our jam of the Kiss classic, Hotter Than Hell. I wanted to mention we have a friend who has a great site called TrueMetalHead.com. Definitely add it to your favorites and check it out. So, John, what have you been up to? You've been uh, traveling the world. I want to hear all about Ace and what Ace is up to. People are complaining. We talk too much about Kiss. We talk too much about Ace. Guys, uh, you have the wrong podcast if you don't want to hear about Kiss or Ace or Paul Stanley or Gene Simmons or Peter Chris or Tommy Thayer, for that matter, who we interviewed a few episodes ago. So it's the wrong podcast if you don't want to hear about Kiss. I hate to inform you. Or Eric Singer, too. Eric Singer, great drummer. Yes, definitely. So what's going on with Ace now? You were out in Vegas with him for a while? Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, when I last caught up with everybody. Um, We were in Atlanta for a while doing a convention down there. Uh, It was called Days of the Dead. And this guy named Bill Philput, he puts on uh, Days of the Dead. Really cool guy. And he he has a a cool partner as well that uh, he works with on that. And... um, We've done Days of the Dead in Indianapolis. Uh, we did Atlanta. We're, we're going to do some more in the future. And uh, it's basically like a chiller kind of a thing. You guys in the New York, New Jersey area know the chiller convention. And uh, it's a horror convention, and it's real fun. So I was down in Atlanta, did that. And then, uh, yeah, in Atlanta, I had a fun time. I got to meet the um, guy from the Hills Have Eyes who was in the video smoking in the boys' room. Remember that guy with the like the bald shaved head, and he was really a super nice guy. Um, and a couple other people down there uh, hung out with the uh, uh, Braun and Brent from Mastodon. They were cool. They really wanted to meet Ace, and like I, I talked to them the night before. They had this like side band that they were playing at the convention with, and I, I missed the group play. I was trying to get down there, but I, I missed them. But then afterwards, I talked to them, and they said, "Oh, we want to come and meet Ace." and I, you know, I knew they were Ace fans, but I didn't know for sure if they were going to come. And, and sure enough, in the morning, that Bron, the drummer, calls me and he goes, Hey, is it still cool if we come and meet Ace? I was like, yeah. So they came and gave them all these shirts. And then they had all these friends with them. And I gave them all, like, a like, care package. And they, they came and got photos. And they were super cool dudes. And uh, I always was a little scared, <laughs> scared of uh, Brent, like, you know, because he looked like this, like, like wild dude. But he's, like, super nice, like, super totally cool guy. And, um... And I wasn't really afraid of him, but I just thought he had this, you know, he, he looks kind of menacing. And uh, But he was, like, super cool, and uh, they were both great. Yeah, so we got to get those guys back on Talking Metal. And um, so that was Atlanta. Uh, oh, yeah, I got a picture uh, with uh, this guy dressed up like Dr. Roxo. I saw that. Yeah. yeah, I saw that on your Facebook. That's awesome. It's so funny. The guy had that jumpsuit on or whatever and the butt crack was sticking out which i just like i can't believe he would walk around like that like he did have a backpack on so most of the time you couldn't see that but to get a costume made like that was just so funny and uh i I just thought it was hilarious that this guy was walking around in a dr roxo outfit but so that was atlanta 
So then the next thing that happened is that I went out to Vegas with Ace uh, for Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. And this time it was kind of neat because I always have a fun with the whole crew that we take to these conventions. But what was cool about this is that it was just me, my girlfriend Lynn, Ace and his fiance uh, Rachel. And um, it was fun uh, in addition to doing all the fantasy camp stuff, which I'll tell you about. We hung out and you know, went out to dinner. It was like couples. It was kind of a, a neat, uh, you know, a, a different kind of an experience. Like where, like me and Ace just hung out, like as more like friends. And um, now, does Lynn Lynn gets along well with Rachel? Yeah, yeah. Lynn had met Rachel before, but this time they really had a chance to like kind of hit it off together. And like when when Ace and I were doing the fantasy camp stuff, they would hang. They would even even though we're in the same hotel, they would like talk on the phone and. And it was real cool. They had a good time, and and uh, we gambled together. It was it was pretty fun. Like 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 we'd be sitting at like a blackjack table. It'd be like me, Ace, Lynn, and Rachel, and like some other dude would come up and sit down. And I, I just was always wondering, do, do they know that this is Ace Freely here, or, or don't they? And uh, it was it was cool. And I think every I mean I think the dealers everybody knew who he was, but and I'm sure that the guy who sat at the table also knew. But but everybody was respectful, and nobody like you know, came up and was like, hey, can I have an autograph or anything like that? Which, not that that's a bad thing, but, you know, sometimes there's a... I think one guy did come up for an autograph, and, you know, sometimes it's hard when you're, like, betting money and you're trying to calculate what card to take and this, that, and the other thing. So, uh, but but it's all good. Everybody was cool. I think Ace signed something for the guy, and uh, uh, that was neat. So, anyway, let me tell you about Fantasy Camp. Um, it was really cool. Uh, there's this great off-site building... It has all these amazing rehearsal studios and like a big soundstage, and and then there are also studios at the MGM Grand. But the offsite building is just like like a five minute drive away, and uh, what's really cool that and I hope I don't forget anybody, but there were a lot of a lot of metal people there. Kip Winger is the musical director. Um, Phil Suzanne from uh, Ozzy's band was there, and he was a counselor. Scotty Coogan, who played with Bride's Instruction and Ace, and Lita Ford was a counselor. Um, Brent Musket from Faster Pussycat was a counselor. Vinny Apice was a, a counselor. He was, for me, seeing Vinny up close playing drums was really, really cool. And he was he was real nice. He was, like, uh, making sure we stay in touch, and I'm sure we, we get him, you know, on the show and... Uh, who else was there? One of the guys from Disturbed, and uh, Teddy Zigzag Andreatis from uh, Guns N' Roses was there. He was cool. He was playing bass with this glove on his uh, left hand. I don't know if there's like these special bass playing gloves or something now, but he had some, some glove on while he was playing. And I'm trying to think who else was there because I don't, don't want to miss anybody. But there, there were oh oh yeah, uh, Kane Roberts. Remember him? Yeah. Is he still Mr. Muscles or what? He, he if you don't. If you don't know and he has a coat on or something, you might not be able to tell. But then when when you see him, he's not like Lou Ferrigno anymore, but he's still like a real built guy. And he's like, you know, long hair and sunglasses and all that. So he was really cool. So everybody was great. And, and basically what happened was we went to the facility, the offsite place. And Ace got up on stage and every band came in and Ace got a chance to rehearse a song with each group. What was funny, though, is I had... Uh, they had asked me what songs did Ace want to play, so me and Kip Winger came up with like a list of tunes. Uh, but then when we got there, there, there was all different songs, and they weren't even Kiss ones. And, and uh, like like uh, one band wanted to play like 
I think there were like two Ramon songs and then like uh, like all these miscellaneous songs that like Ace, you know, could figure out and you know, probably knew when he was young, like Born to Be Wild and and I got a line on you and I was just surprised that they, they weren't playing like Cold Gin and Shog Me, like like one band, uh, I think it was uh, Brent Musket's group. Uh, their song was "Calling Doctor Love," and and then, uh, which was cool, and it was really cool to hear Ace do that solo because I always love that solo. It's one of my favorite Kiss solos. So then, so that's the rehearsal. Then we go to the gig, and basically all the bands go up and they play like three or four songs. And it's a competition, which I didn't even realize, but it's a competition. And and then uh, Ace goes up. We sat right in the front. It was, it was pretty amazing. Like, we sat, like, right in the front row. I made, like, a little seating area for us. And um, and then Ace would get up and go on stage and play a song. And then... And then after all the the counselors' bands played with Ace as a guest, all the counselors got up and did a counselor jam with Ace. And uh, they did Detroit Rock City. And when Ace played the solo... Like everybody in the place, and this was like a like a small bar. I'm trying to think of what, more like a, like a lounge, like you'd see in a hotel, not even like a venue kind of a place. Like, like uh, sort of almost like like you're playing in a restaurant or something. Like, and um, but you know maybe the size of a restaurant, but you know of course they weren't serving food. But uh, when Ace went into the solo for Detroit Rock City, like, everybody just started, like, totally cheering. And people from outside and the casino were looking in. And even the, the counselors were all sort of, like, happy. And it was amazing. And, and uh, the coolest thing that happened for me is during the rehearsal, and I'm sorry this is going on so long, but during the rehearsal, uh, David Fischoff, who is the head of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, asked me, if I would do a Q&A with Ace. So I got up on stage, and there was two microphones, and me and Ace were in, in two different chairs. And I just did, like, an off-the-cuff Q&A. And all the counselors were there. And so, like, you know, I just... I basically interviewed Ace on stage, and then I opened it up for questions. And, and then what was really cool is uh, after people asked their questions, I started asking some of the counselors questions. Like, I would say, like, hey, Brent Musket, tell me about... Faster Pussycat being on tour with Ace. And, and he, like, everybody loved Ace, but I could tell that Brent Musket, like, he really, really was psyched to get on stage with Ace. And uh, it was just great to see it. And everybody was happy. Like, this was one thing where if you haven't went to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp and you got enough money to go, and, you know, now they have, like, one-day camps and three-day camps and all these things, and it's they can, you know, make it affordable. Uh, it's just a blast. You get to be friends with all these different guys. Like, I'm, I'm actually, seriously, within the next three or four years, I may go. Yeah. I, may, I may pay the money and just go do it. It's fun. You, you literally leave there, like, like say, like, Vinny Apice's your counselor. Like, you're, you're, like, friends with Vinny Apice. Like, everybody knows each other. You call each other up. You hang out. It's fun. Cool. Cool. Well, it sounds like a great time, and thanks for sharing that with us. Do you know a guy who's, like, a kiss expert? Named Mitch Lafon. Do you know Mitch Lafon? Yeah, yeah. Um, he definitely is a Kiss expert, and he's a writer. Um, I don't know if I've ever met him, but we've definitely, you know, corresponded with each other. I think he's got a new podcast now. I think he does have a podcast. I have not heard it. I heard him on Victor Ruiz's Mars Attacks oh. podcast. He was on for two or three episodes. 
and they talked all about Kiss and Revenge, and it was it was really great. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to those episodes of Mars Attacks. Uh, anyways, uh, Mitch has asked us to announce on Talking Metal that he is working on a Kiss tribute project, and you can find out about it by going to pledgemusic.com slash project slash kiss 40 the tribute for no that's wrong projectmusic.com slash project slash kiss four zero th tribute i will link that through today's show notes on talkingmetal.com and i guess it's just a tribute cd or tribute project and he's got a lot of really big name people involved who are going to be paying tribute to uh our favorite band 40 years of kiss yeah yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, Mitch Lafon, I've always known of him since I was involved with that Return of the Comet uh, CD that I uh, played on and produced a track on many years ago. And uh, Mitch was somehow involved in that. And, and I always know he's he's been, like, uh, really one of the premier KISS experts out there. And uh, also a very nice guy. All the correspondence I've ever had with him is very cool. And I'm just trying to think if we've actually met or not. I, I don't know if we have, but uh, I'm sure we will soon. Cool. Um, we'll check that out in today's show notes. The link to Mitch's project, and you mentioned uh, return to the return of the comment, right? right? Now that that had Dimebag on it doing Fractured Mirror, correct? Yeah, yeah. And, and Vinnie Paul played drums on it, and I remember talking to Dimebag. I think from the studio where it was being mastered. I'm not. Sh- I think I was on the phone with him for a second, and um, I remember the. Either the lawyer or the, uh, you know, main producer was uh, saying, yeah, I'm here with uh, John Ostrowski. And I, I just thought it was cool that, uh, like, he was talking to Dimebag and he mentioned me, <laughs> like, on the phone even. That's how much I thought it was cool. But, but you, you met Dimebag after that. You have that great picture of you and Dimebag that I believe Lydia took, right? Yeah, that was at a gig called Ace Frehley and Friends, and that was at the Ritz. But at the time, I don't know if it was called the Ritz or Studio 54, but it was the place that is now studio 54 that once was studio 54 back in the day but it was like the second version of the ritz at one point and ace played there and it wasn't like the normal ace band it was like all guest people and then dimebag played and then lydia chris got that great photo of me and dimebag after that gig and he's given like the metal sign looking through it and one of the coolest things ever was meeting him and hanging out that's lydia chris peter's ex-wife who i actually Rented a room from her back in the day for, for a while uh, when I was first kind of uh, moving into Manhattan. A uh, nice lady. And she was on, uh, oh, what's that podcast called? The, uh, oh, the Decibel Geek podcast. And I checked out a little bit of that interview with her. And for, for as long as we've known her, it's kind of weird we haven't had her on the show. Um, so yeah, we, 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 we should. And maybe head over to her place one day and uh, interview her. Uh, do you have contact info for her? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I always talk. I talk to Lydia every once in a while, and um, I'm trying to think of the last time we saw each other. Um, I, we definitely hung out at Bill Coin's memorial, and I'm sure I've talked to her since then. But cool. uh, we should go. She. I want to know if she's in the same apartment anymore. Probably, I would imagine a beautiful apartment off of uh, Central Park there. We, it would be great to head up there one night and uh, interview her. I know she's got a book out, which I all, I was I was like, oh, I'll buy a copy of the book. And then I saw it was like 60 bucks. I decided not to buy a copy of it. it you, you definitely should pick it up because it's great. It's just got so many 
amazing photos. Like, like, yeah, Lydia has kept like every cool thing that she ever had, like from back in the the kiss days, and and basically put it in this book. And it's it's definitely a must-have for any Kiss fan, and uh, it's it's very very cool. I was very happy, and L- Lydia put a like a special thanks to me in the book, and uh, I thought that was great. And just an awesome awesome book. Like so many amazing photos, great s- stories, and great text, and just all kind of cool stuff to see. Like even even if it was like like a receipt from like a car rental. Like back in the day, that would uh, like say like Stanley Eisen or something on it. It was very cool. Like Lydia had just and still has, I'm sure, such a well. She did an auction, but you know, amazing collection of cool stuff. Cool. And uh, it, it is fun to get special thanks in books. I don't know if I told you this. I may have already mentioned this to you, John. But uh, Martin Popoff wrote yet another book on Black Sabbath and actually thanked Mark Striegel in the oh, opening nice. credit, which is pretty cool. Uh, that's the book there. And uh, he uh, thanked a bunch of people, but I was just honored that he actually gave me a thanks. And I am reading it now, and it's a great, great read. If you're a Black Sabbath fan or a fan of Ozzy, definitely check it out. Of course, Dio was uh, once a singer of Black Sabbath, and there's a lot of stuff in there on him. Right now, I'd like to play a little Dio from his Rainbow days. This is for our friend... David, no, who, who sent this in? Oh, Stephen Bell, who donated kindly to our PayPal account. Uh, he chipped in 10 bucks. Thank you, Stephen Bell. We really appreciate that. And we are going to play your, your request right now. This is Rainbow, Gates of Babylon.
that was Gates of Babylon by Rainbow. And once again, want to thank Stephen Bell for that uh, donation to the PayPal account. And thanks to all of you guys who have just supported Talking Metal through the years. We totally appreciate it. Definitely. So, I don't know, you know, we haven't spoken much lately, but there was a, another, yet another, Guns N' Roses scandal recently. No, you, you think, yeah, I don't know if you've heard about this. No. But so, Gun, Guns N' Roses uh, recorded a great performance that they did at the uh, the, the London O2 uh, Arena, and VH1 aired it. it I guess uh, MTV Networks, which is a bunch of stations, bought the rights to it to air it for a certain amount of time, and uh, they debuted it on VH1, not VH1 Classic, on VH1, and then they were going to have it on VH1 Classic with a special evening hosted by Eddie Trunk, and then they were also going to air it numerous times on Palladia. So anyways, they aired it on Classic, or no, I'm sorry, they aired it on VH1, the premiere, last, uh, a couple Saturdays ago at this point. I watched it, and it was great. There, yeah, it was a little weird that DJ Ashba's guitar wasn't cutting through in the mix, which I, I tend to think was maybe a broadcast issue, like it was mixed in 5.1 and they didn't broadcast all the channels or something like that. But anyways, there's been uh, you know a potential scandal because the, a few days later, suddenly it was uh, pulled and it's not airing again on VH1 Palladia or VH1 Classic. And even Eddie Trunk tweeted that there was some sort of issue and that, uh, you know, the thing on Classic that he was going to be hosting was canceled. And then apparently he deleted that tweet in the, you know, (laughs) tradition of Guns N' Roses conspiracy secrecy. Um, So kind of interesting. But, uh, yeah, the Guns N' Roses concert, if you uh, didn't catch it, it's one and only airing on VH1. You're probably going to miss it. And it was great. I tell you, uh, the only issue I saw with it was this that DJ Ashba's guitar there was something up with it and you couldn't you could hear it a little bit but it wasn't as loud as it should have been in the mix Uh, and that was problematic on songs like uh, Sweet Child of Mine where he was playing a lot of the lead parts and then when Bumblefoot would come in with like uh, his solos during that song they would be nice and loud and up front but or Fortis for that matter you could hear him but there was definitely a problem with his guitar so I don't know if that's why it's been pulled uh, people on the Guns N' Roses message boards have speculated it was because VH1 edited the concert and pulled out almost all the Chinese democracy tracks, and you, you got all only the classic Guns N' Roses tracks on the VH1 airing, with the exception of the first track, which was the title track off of Chinese democracy. There were no other tracks off of Chinese democracy. So there was speculation that maybe... Guns was upset because apparently there were a bunch of Chinese democracy songs in the set that were edited out by uh, VH1. But who knows? I have, I tend to think maybe it was an issue with uh, Ashba's guitar. Maybe they broadcast the 5.1 mix when they should have been doing the stereo mix and things got cut out. Uh, I don't know. But always controversy with those guys. I love them, though. Yeah, I know. It's always... Uh fun to talk about Guns, which is, as you guys know, one of our favorite bands. And uh, I unfortunately didn't get to see the entire concert, and I didn't record it because I figured it was going to be on a bunch of times, and I'm bummed out that I don't have it uh, on my DVR. Um, From what I understood from watching it, they said, well, here's like a shorter version on VH1, and then turn into tune into Palladia, where you'll see like the extended version. That's what I thought they were going to do. And I... Like I said, I 
only caught a little bit of it, and I, I didn't notice what was going on with DJ Asper's guitar. Um, but I'm sure if I would have like actually been home and really had a chance to sit down and watch it, I would have noticed. So it's too bad. I, I always hate when when something happens with a mix. I mean, we've we've done so many recordings that you know I, I always want to go back and say, oh, I wish this was quieter or this was louder, and you know, so I know how that feels. So. Uh, let's let's hope that they get the mix straight. They get all the songs in there, and they get it back on, and then everybody can check it out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, speaking of things to watch, we have our we did like an hour long interview with a, this great band that features Rob Dukes on vocals. Rob Dukes, we all know from his work with Exodus, but he has another band which I love. I was just listening to them on Spotify today called Generation Kill, and we did an hour long interview with Generation Kill. Uh, our friend Jay Bones shot the interview on video. He cut it down to 20 minutes, and it's up on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Talking Metal. Definitely check it out. Uh, it's a good watch and listen. Uh, remember the band Manila Road? I don't know if you remember them from way back in the day, kind of an obscure metal band, but they are back together. They have a new record out, and uh, they, let's see, let me see. Yeah, The Return of the Legend, Manila Road. Yeah, they have a brand-new CD out. So we are psyched to check that new CD out. But in the meantime, let's go back and check out a classic by Manila Road. This is Flaming Metal System by Manila Road.
was Flaming Metal System by Manila Road and a uh, little inside joke uh, I don't have one but I may be in need of a system at some point yeah a system yeah that's a that's kind of a more of an 80s term yeah there's a couple guys systems weaves you know uh, David Weave Roth they used to call him yeah remember Hair Club for Men Cy Sperling whatever happened to that guy is he still around I do not know probably not probably not anyways uh uh, Ross the Boss, who a lot of you guys know from Man of War, and of course he played in The Dictators, he is back with a new band called Death Dealer. So we are looking forward to checking out new music when that becomes available by Ross the Boss and Death Dealer. Just wanted to mention that in our, our kind of a metal news. You can check them out on Facebook.com slash Death Dealer Band. Um, and our friends in Warbringer, who we, we've done numerous... We actually, we did one jam with Warbringer, right? Uh, we did, yeah, we did a jam with John Keevil, and then at Gibson, we also interviewed a couple other guys uh, at a different time for the old show. Yes, yes, which was about five years ago already. We did that initial interview with... with Warbringer, and it's uh, they are celebrating currently. Warbringer is celebrating five years since the release of their debut record, which 
had the great song on it, Combat Shock. Let's check that out right now. just heard was Combat Shock by Warbringer off of the album War Without End, which has been out five years already. Man, it's hard to believe 
And, and speaking of stuff, I, I just uh, not not trying to get off the topic of Warbringer because those guys are awesome. And, and John did a great job on vocals on "For Whom the Bell Tolls" when we did the jam. Yeah, we we jammed with them with him recently and did a Metallica cover. So check that out on YouTube.com/slash Talking Metal. Uh, I wanted to say that. Uh, you know, anytime I see anyone having a drink on some talk show, I guarantee that that's a talking metal, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say ripoff, but uh, influence moment. John and I, and we have to admit this about ourselves, we are convinced that our riffs that we wrote with our band, uh, our shows that we've done on TV, uh, Everything John and I do, we're convinced that people are stealing our ideas. And I, here's a, yet another example. I was, I uh, kiss, more kiss talk for you guys who hate kiss. So, uh, but uh, kiss, um, I checked out their Australian set list. They're down in Australia, or were down in Australia recently. They dropped "Shock Me" from the, the set, which I, I found really interesting. And I, I was like. They did this because I played Out of This World yeah. on the our Tommy Thayer podcast, and Paul and Gene listened to it, and Tommy convinced them that it's a great song that people liked, and that's why they have dropped Shock Me from the the the, uh, the set list and replaced it with Out of This World. I was convinced. I even told my wife. I was, like, about to go on Facebook and say it, and then I actually went back and, and looked at some of the South American dates which happened before Tommy was on Talking Metal, and they had actually been already replaced Shock Me with Out of This World. So I'm glad I didn't make an, more of an ass out of myself uh, with that. But, uh, yeah, you know, we do, we do tend to believe that, that we influence the world, and uh, we must be right some of the time. Yeah, and guys, I'm just kidding. I'm not saying that everybody's ripping this off, but, but um, I do think that we were the first show to have drinks while doing interviews and, or at least on the set, and we were definitely the first show to have any kind of jams on it. And uh, I've seen other TV shows uh, where they suddenly do a jam at the end, and I cannot help but think that that's a little nod to Talking Metal. I'll tell you one thing. Jeff, who produces that metal show, who has admitted that he loved, loved the Talking Metal on Fuse show, uh, you know, he recently added, well, a couple seasons ago at this point, a guitar player in the studio playing without accompaniment on that metal show and I can guarantee guarantee that that was uh, something that was kind of borrowed from our our talking metal TV show can't, I, I can't guarantee it but I would suspect and, and we love Jeff and we love Eddie and we, we uh, actually enjoy that metal show but um, it's, it's no secret that at least Jeff the producer was a, was a, a fan of talking metal. Yep. Yeah, Jeff is a great guy, and Jeff actually uh, worked with me on those uh, Talking Metal from VH1 segments that, that we did out in Vegas with the Foo Fighters and Godsmack and All American Rejects, who were not necessarily a metal group, but they were fans of metal, and uh, so that was cool. Uh, That's where you talked to, you spoke with Dave Grohl about his Probot record, which is a great heavy metal album with some hardcore crossover that, that Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters and Nirvana fame did a number of years back. You know, we ought to go back out to Vegas. I mean, there's so many things that we ought to do, and if we had the time to do it, and that, that's what it is, it's the time, but but there's a lot of uh, rockers out in Vegas, and Vegas is just fun. I, I know me and you would have a great time out there, and uh, 
but uh, we could definitely hook up with a bunch of rockers if we, you know, to do interviews. Like Vince Neil, DJ Ashba, I think both live out there. Wow, I, I knew I knew Vince. I didn't know about DJ Ashba. That's cool. And uh, yeah, I back to that Guns concert. I enjoyed what I saw. Yeah, it was great, man. It was great. It's a shame that I, I really hope they 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 resolve whatever the issue may or or may not be and 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 get that back on because uh, it was a good watch and you know. Richard Fortas and especially Bumblefoot, they're such great musicians. Uh, and and I think the way the mix was where their guitar was so much louder than DJ Ashba's, it's it's just they're really they're really you realize what what caliber of, of players these guys are. In some ways almost too good for Guns N' Roses. You know, I mean I mean uh, you know, they're just so technically on all the time and, and clean and, and just amazing players. Uh, it really makes me feel like i got to start practicing again. Yeah, Duff McKagan once said on stage when uh, he was doing a show in Manhattan um, uh, and Bumblefoot went up on stage, he goes, this guy is freakishly good. He was like, this is like insanely good. Yeah. Little known fact about Duff McKagan is that, he, you know, people watching him on stage, he was playing guitar and loaded, you know, when I saw him. And he had a black, what appeared to be a Les Paul and a gold top. And they were not Gibsons, they were Bernie's. And Bernie is a brand uh, owned by Fernandez, which um, they, they make Bernie's in Japan. I'm just into, you know, all these uh, Japanese guitars. I, I just uh, am fascinated by it. Uh, but, of course, Gibson is, in my opinion, the best guitar out there. And uh, should definitely uh, pick up a Gibson if you don't already have one. There's a lot of great ones at low prices. Check out uh, samash.com or musiciansfriend.com. You can find some good deals. Not uh, music one two three. Don't don't check them out. <laughs> yeah, they owe us a thousand bucks. Don't go there. They were one of our initial sponsors on Talking Metal, and they stiffed us on some money. So uh, filed bankruptcy, and they never had to pay us. So there you go. Yeah, thousand dollars owed to Talking Metal. On that note. You can chip into Talking Metal by going to TalkingMetal.com, making a PayPal donation. Use those Amazon links. We got a, a recent check from people using our Amazon links, so that was nice. And uh, thanks for all your support. Go write a review on iTunes. Uh, write us a review on iTunes. Uh, we're going to wrap it up and go grab another drink here on Talking Metal. What should we play to take us out, John? Pick something metal. Pick something metal. I pick an Aussie tune, like, like from, uh, how about, um, I know we played this before, Rock and Roll Rebel, we played this before. Okay, here's one of my favorite tunes, Rock and Roll Rebel, by the one and only Ozzy Osbourne.
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.